Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please make sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we're joined by Canadian country music singer-songwriter Mackenzie Lee Meyer. Now, she released her debut EP, Dive Bar Diva, back in 2018. Since that time, she has been named a 2019 Boots and Hearts Emerging Artist Showcase finalist. She was nominated as Roots Artist of the Year at the 2019 CCMA Ontario Awards, and she just released her new single, Dial Tone, which she feels is really an evolution into the next stage of who she is as an artist. So please enjoy our conversation with Mackenzie Lee Meyer. This is probably your most like upbeat and sassy song that you have released so far. And I know that you've mentioned the new music you're working on right now has that same feel to it. And so did you come in to this project, to this single, to the new music with that thought of wanting to do something more upbeat and maybe something a little more radio friendly? Um, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like it was less of a like a goal and more of just what I noticed was coming out of me in 2020, 2021, as far as the songs I was kind of writing goes, which is nice because you're right, it does kind of suit the radio element um, as slow songs kind of tend to get chucked just because people are kind of hoping to hear that kind of upbeat party country. Um, but it wasn't intentional. Yeah, it kind of just happened by accident. And the EP as well is kind of leaning more towards that sassy, upbeat vibe and yeah, I guess that's just what I'm feeling right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as co-writes go, in the past, were there as many co-writes? Like, are you doing more co-writing now on your new material? Um, yeah, I would say I am. And I don't know if it's because I just like didn't want to back then. I almost think it's just because I didn't know as many people to write with back then. Um, definitely over the last couple of years, I've kind of gotten to know more people in the country community, some of our CMAO awards and just kind of at the awards in general. Um, and yeah, I've kind of found people that I really clicked with and I think would write well with and kind of just kind of tested the waters with some other writers. And yeah, so it's kind of like a happy accident of just kind of growing up in the scene, I guess I would say. Right. And I know you've mentioned before that a co-writer that you have had in the past, I can't remember which song it's on, is your dad. He has like a line or two in one of your songs. I heard you mention that he sort of has the poet brain and that might be where you get it from. And so talk about that song and his influence that he has had um, even when you were young. Yeah, um, my dad's going to love this. <laughs> so my dad, my dad is a poet, not not by profession, but he's always, you know, he's a, a published poet um, and he's always kind of been able to kind of think lyrically that way. And when I was first starting out, I was writing this uh, this song called Hope You're Lonely, <laughs> which is another pretty sassy one. And um, my dad kind of saw me struggling to kind of come up with a second verse. And out of nowhere, he just like shows up to the piano where I was kind of writing at. I lived, I was in high school, lived at home. Um, and he is like, hey, like I, I have these lyrics. Like, what do you think about this for your third verse of this? And I'm like, oh, like, 
these are actually really good lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, my dad, Larry, technically has a co-write on Hope You're Lonely on the second verse part. So yeah, but I think you're right. I think I get um, the kind of poet mind from him for sure. And then I know your mom, I believe you have mentioned she has been very involved with your music and she even picked a single. I don't know if it was dial tone or if it was a single before that, but she's involved in more of the business side of things maybe. Yeah. So she definitely has been a huge, huge help for me kind of like getting my career off the ground. If I need any sort of support at all, I just go right to my mom. And yes, she, she picked dial tone. <laughs> I had, I had dial tone and a couple others that I'd written and my mom's like, this is your song. Like, sorry, you don't get to choose. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like, okay. But I think she chose well. I, I really love this song and it seems like it's getting a good feedback so far. So <laughs> yeah, <Go mom. laughs> exactly. That's awesome. And so you picked up piano pretty early right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, probably about, I, t I guess I'd say I took lessons at like seven. Uh, I was kind of fiddling around on piano a, a few years earlier than that. But yeah, pretty early. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so was music something that was around the house? Like, did your parents play piano? Or did you just sort of have it around the house as a set piece? You know what? Uh, I do not come from kind of like a musical family whatsoever. <laughs> if you heard... <laughs> If you heard my family sing happy birthday, you would know exactly what I mean. <laughs> but um, my grandma had an organ at her house that when I was really little, I guess I would kind of noodle on and really liked doing. So my parents okay. ended up getting a piano for our house. And that's when they did kind of decided to put me in lessons because I was interested in it seemingly interested in kind of noodling around on that. And when did the songwriting begin for you then? Um. I guess like two two different times and I'll explain what I mean. Um, before I was singing, because I, I kind of started by playing piano, I was writing little, I guess I would call them etudes, which are like little short piano songs. Uh, probably oh, okay. when I was about like eight or nine, just like short things. Like I, I've never loved practicing piano, but I've always really loved, and my teachers hated that, <laughs> but I've always really loved like playing and like learning songs that I could listen to or just kind of make up songs. So that started pretty early for me. Um, and I think around 14 is when I wrote my first song with lyrics and singing. Um, and I honestly credit American Idol for making me start to sing because I just loved, we watched it a lot in my house growing up and I just loved the idea of doing that. So I'm like, oh, I gotta, oh, I gotta okay. sing. Or <laughs> I think that's what happened. I honestly don't know what kind of, switched me from just playing piano to actually singing and playing piano. Right. And what was that first song? You talk about that first song you wrote. Do you remember <laughs> it and what it was and everything? Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll never it'll never ever get displayed to the public. Like, I'm sure everyone's first song. But yeah, I was I think it was called Hold Me Tight. <laughs> um, and it was just like a, you know, I don't know, a piano, me singing and playing piano. I think I was like, mad at the guy I was dating or something like I <laughs> I don't know like <laughs> it's one of those songs but yes I I remember it completely <laughs> that is awesome and I saw a post on your Instagram um you had posted like a, a flashback Friday or whatever it is and um 
it was for National Siblings Day, and you had a video of you, and I assume it was your sister since it was for National Siblings Day, <laughs> and it looked like she was musical as well in that video. So does she follow along that line as well? Um, you know what? My, my sister, who can sing really well, never like really loved music. It, it's so funny. She's just like a natural singer, and back when we kind of both lived at my parents' house, we would sing together because I kind of liked singing harmony. She liked singing. We kind of just did like a little sister thing, but she's never pursued it in the same way I have. Um, but I kind of miss getting to do that stuff with her. I almost wish I almost wish she did a little more. <laughs> right. And so it was natural for her. Did singing come natural for you as well when you started to take it on more and more? Hmm. I think so. I mean, it's it's kind of hard. I definitely never had a moment where I felt like I was struggling to kind of do what I needed to, but I it's kind of hard to say. Um, you know, I I hadn't taken taken formal vocal lessons until I went to Humber, and like when you do that, you kind of learn like where your flaws are vocally. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, maybe maybe I should like learn a bit more technique. Um, but I could always sing what I wanted to sing as far as like performing songs go. So I, I guess it came naturally. I honestly don't know. <laughs> okay. And what about the guitar? When did that come about for you? Oh, um, definitely not as early as singing or piano. Um, when I went to Humber, I formed a band, like a country band. I just started getting into country then when I was about 1920. And oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't want to hire a fifth person to play like strumming acoustic guitar while I sang and I had a lead guy doing all the kind of lead stuff. So I'm like, you know what you should, I kind of like had gotten around on it, but not formally. I'm like, I'm going to actually expensive time and learn how to play guitar so that it's not as expensive <laughs> to pay people in this band to kind of get going. Um, so yeah, that's when guitar started kicking in for me. And it's funny because it's almost my instrument that I lean on a bit more now than piano just because it's so much more practical to take yeah. around. <laughs> exactly. And before we get into your performing time, now you grew up in Hamilton, which is just outside of Toronto. And I saw from posts a few years ago, I was going through Twitter and you were very involved with Mariana's Trench back then. And I saw a post that said you were going to a much on demand to see Mariana's <laughs> Trench. And I wanted to talk about much music because these days it feels like it's not such a cultural phenomenon, but that back then it was. And so what did much music mean to you back then when you were growing up? Ah, I loved much music. Uh, and, I, and I miss, you're right, that kind of like afternoon special where you could see your favorite band, even if you weren't attending much music on TV and kind of check out what's like new and coming. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it, it meant a lot to me. I, I wish we still had some sort of resource now that was like really common on television for artists to be able to put their music onto because I learned about so much more new music, being able to see some new videos from people and kind of that type of thing. Um, and that's just not as available to us anymore. Um, but that's how I found out about Mariana's Trench is that I saw them on a Much Music episode and I'm like, oh my God, this band's awesome. And yes, I, <laughs> I thought they were very awesome, maybe more than more people. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it's, I really miss the, those kind of outlets. Uh, but yeah, Much Music meant a lot to me. I will definitely say that. <laughs> That's awesome. And now let's talk about that country band. You talk about 
that's when you got into country. So before that, was country really a thing? Like you mentioned, your parents weren't overly musical. So like, was there country music playing around the house when you were younger? Or was it really 19 or 20? It was just like a switch that went off like, oh, country music is really cool. Yeah, um, definitely didn't get it from my parents. <laughs> my mom's into kind of like John Mary type music. My dad's into like Lou Reed. <laughs> Oh, okay. So like stuff. So it's a weird. It was a weird collection of music at my house. I definitely heard a lot of very interesting music, maybe more than your average show from my dad. Um, but it wasn't a country. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get into country until I didn't play country till I was twenty. But I had friends in high school who were very, very into country. And at first, you kind of hate it. You're like, oh, turn this off. And then you kind of get used to it. And then you end up kind of starting to like it. And that's kind of what ended up happening for me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I would say kind of my friend group led me into that vein of country music. Right. And when you started playing, I know that uh, the bar scene was a big thing for you starting out the first few years. And so what was your very first show as either a solo act or with that first band? Do you remember what your very first show was? I do actually, because it's hilarious. Um, so we, I'd formed this band in the first year of Humber uh, and like we had just kind of started, started to get going towards the end of the year. And we had learned like six songs max, for, you know, and a normal sets like 40 to 50 <laughs> <laughs> for kind of like a four hour period. That's kind of the standard for a bar. Right. Um, so we learned our six songs. We were kind of like building up a repertoire. And then the roommate I had in first year, uh, her uncle, who I don't really know why, was always kind of hanging out around on Saturday. They were kind of like the family was like local. And he asked our band if they wanted to play some private function they were doing. And I'm like, you know what? Like, sure. Like, we'd love to. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest. Like, we all we know is six songs and we're, and we're a country band. So, like, I don't know if we're ready for like, an actual, like, gig yet. Right. And he's like, oh, like, no, no, no. Like, that's fine. Like, we have another band we're gonna alternate you guys i'm like okay like we know six <laughs> songs so sure so we show up at this private function and it's in the kind of like a i wouldn't call it like an event space in a hotel but like those rooms you can kind of rent out right yeah so we set up and how this gig went is they had us play two songs take set break had this like classically trained pianist play two songs her set break and then we came on for our two and it kind of alternated until the event was over until we were out of music and I was like <laughs> and it kind of makes me laugh to this day because it's just, it's just such a funny moment to, for like a tr our band to like have our first gig like what a, just like a weird setting and I honestly don't think <laughs> the people that were there were like country music fans I think he just wanted some music and like people to kind of hang out and listen so right yeah that was my band's first gig it was so weird but a great time <laughs> i'll never forget it <laughs> and what year was that 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 first gig was in uh, Ooh, i think that must have been 2014 okay i think yeah because in 2013 you you won the hamilton music award rise to fame competition right yeah, so that would, I guess, I guess that would typically be my first gig without a band. So that I did kind of do the Hamilton. We used to have a Hamilton Music Awards, RIP, I miss it. <laughs> um, but yes, I would, I did a few of those uh, playing piano by myself. So yeah, I guess that would okay. typically be my first 
first gig. <laughs> right. And what were you playing during that competition? Was it country music? No. Um, so I've entered it, or I had entered it a few times. Uh, the, the time that I won um, was with kind of my duet partner. We were in a band called Ash Number. <laughs> Uh, I was we, wondering, we, yeah. Yeah, and we were doing kind of indie folk. So that's kind of probably what I would refer to it as. Um, I was playing piano and cajon, and then he would play guitar. And then when I played piano, he played cajon, and we both sang. So yeah, I, I'd probably say like upbeat folk. Okay. And so that competition and then 2014 playing a gig with a band through through that time, and then throughout 2014, where was your headspace? Like, were you just sort of playing music for fun while in college? Or did you really have the thought of, this is what I want to do professionally? Yeah, um, it was kind of an interesting time because I was trying to grow as a musician as well. And for those who've been through the Humber program know that it's it's very demanding and it's, it's hard to kind of be creative uh, in that program while you're kind of trying to, you know, learn your theory and learn your training, kind of really study music. Um, so when I joined that band, that band was kind of for the sake of just like working as a musician, like a jobbing country band. But I knew going into that program, it was kind of a deciding factor in pursuing music that I wanted to, to be an artist. I've kind of always wanted to do well, I guess before Humber, I'd always wanted to do country and even through Humber, that's always been my thing. And then the people I met there and along the way, just kind of allowed me to really pursue that as a career. But yeah, I guess I would say I knew probably around the time of that Hamilton Music Awards stuff for me in 2017 to 20 or sorry, 2014, <laughs> 2013 era. Yeah. And the handle Diva Dive Bar. Now that comes from sort of playing dive bars for a few years and sort of getting to the point where you're a diva inside those dive bars, right? But so for you during that time, during those few years, when you're going to college, you're playing bars, is there a time you can remember that you realized you had taken the next step and that you were playing dive bars, but there was maybe a change and you saw it more as a viable option? Yeah. Um, I would say kind of when I started to transition, like specifically to an artist, I, I'd kind of been jobbing a lot throughout Humbert and kind of playing the bars and the covers. And I definitely noticed a, like a gradual incline of better bars and <laughs> better gigs in general. Um, but after I released my EP, Dive Bar Diva, which is kind of where I get my name from. <laughs> or yeah, Dive Bar Diva. I said Diva Diva. Dive Bar. Yeah, Dive Bar Diva. Sorry. You know what? It's, I mean, it's, that is me, the Diva and the Dive Bar. <laughs> um, after that, the gigs I started to do became better because they were artist gigs instead of me playing covers in a bar. And so oh, I definitely okay. noticed kind of like a jump off point at that point in my career where people were starting to kind of know who I was in the in the kind of music scene and I was starting to get gigs at festivals rather than playing gigs at bars um so that would be the definite I guess turning point in my career between then and now I guess I would say right and I skipped it I forgot to talk about it but a big part of your journey is the fact that before 16 
you had really bad stage fright and you <laughs> couldn't necessarily perform on a stage. Talk about that. And sort of at 16, the switch that went off that allowed you to overcome <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, you know what? Like I, I'm a hard introvert and I'm horribly shy, which doesn't always come across obviously when you're performing because you're performing. Um, yeah. But I really grew into being able to perform. It definitely wasn't one of those things that was very natural for me at first. Um, and I think it was always just like the fear of, you know, being received poorly is kind of was kind of always my preventer. Um, but my the kind of reason I had to kind of get over that is because my mom, who we I know we talked about, has been helping out my career a lot entered me like my inaugural Hamilton Music Awards entered entered me into that competition and she's like oh you're probably not gonna get in but we'll enter you anyways and then I ended up making the finals for that where you had to perform on stage for people and I'd never done that before <laughs> and, and I'm like oh like I I guess I have to get over it um so I kind of just like practiced a lot and you know it's just me and my piano which is always a little nerve-wracking because you just have to think about playing and singing um and then honestly, like I probably <laughs> looked like this the whole time, like kind of thinking about playing. Um, but I enjoyed doing that so much that I kind of realized that I had to get over that fear because it just wasn't like, I was like, I want to do this. Like I want to release music and be an artist, but you can't do that if you're afraid of being on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I kind of threw myself right into the fire and slowly it's been a very, very slow climb to gotten to becoming like pretty natural on stage but yeah at 16 I just kind of threw myself right in there <laughs> wow that's amazing and then I saw in February of 2016 did you take a trip down to Nashville I did you know what um that was in my third year at Humber and we were all really into the show Nashville. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was that was when it was like really big. Um, and me and my friends who at the school were also songwriters and kind of into the country, I would say maybe like roots vein. Um, we'd all kind of decided that we we're like, hey, like we should go check out Nashville, see what we can get from there. And my one friend had a friend living down there who kind of gave us like a tour of all the spots that are cool. Um, but yeah, like that was a pretty big turning point in my life because it made me realize it's somewhere like I could live if I got to a point where I felt like I was just writing for a living, um, which is really cool because until then I'm kind of like, Oh, Nashville's just like a place. Like it seems really far away, but yeah, it was, it was a really cool trip for sure. <laughs> wow. And did you play the bluebird cafe or just go as a, as a fan? Yeah, we, we ended up playing on the Monday night. They have kind of like a, a writer's, I would call it like series almost like a round, but not in, I guess, in order. <laughs> Hard to explain. But yeah, we ended up getting in on the Monday night myself and them. They were a duo. Um, and yeah, that was so cool because we'd watched it on TV and we're like, oh my God, the Bluebird Cafe, it's like such a spot. And yeah, it was honestly kind of a really cool moment. <laughs> that is awesome. And did it, I guess you're going down sort of as a vacation. So did you sort of get a feel for the business of things, the business of country music when you were there? Yeah, a, a bit. We definitely went for kind of the vacation because we had never been there before. We wanted to kind of get to know the city a bit better. But the friend that my friend knew who lived down there, 
kind of brought us to more cool stuff than you would see if you were just kind of touring and going on vacation. So we did kind of get to learn where, well, like this is Songwriters Row, like this is where kind of the music happens. This is where all the publishing companies are and kind of the stuff that maybe you would see. And we learned about like what rooms are, I don't know, cooler than others. I guess that's a relative term. (laughs) But um, yeah, so we learned a little bit of the business. I definitely have a long ways to go as far as kind of really knowing how that stuff works down there. But yeah, it it was really cool to to learn a little bit for sure. (laughs) Of your years playing venues, I noticed there was one that recently shut down the Corral Oshawa. And I wanted to ask you about that venue and just along your journey, what venues like that mean to you as a performer? I mean, they mean the world because those are the places where I've kind of been paying my dues and learning how to perform and how to talk to an audience and kind of do all that stuff and really be a good entertainer. So yeah, the Oshawa crowd over the pandemic, you know, where we've been losing a lot of these like really important venues that allow artists to kind of get their feet um, or get on their feet, I guess I should say. And yeah, that's, that sucks. You know what? You kind of wish um, I wish I had been able to go in there one more time and say bye to kind of all these spots that you really love. But yeah, it's it's a huge bummer that that place closed. And I know I'm sure it won't be the only one over the course of the pandemic. Another one that I loved uh, right before the pandemic was the Stampede Corral in the Kitchener as well that I kind of got my start at and just couldn't keep the doors open, unfortunately. But yeah, they're super important to artists who are kind of coming up. And so after those years of doing the bars, you're coming into your debut EP in 2018. Now, going into that, what was your thought? Were you heading into the studio thinking, I want this to be the start of me as an artist? Or were you thinking, I've graduated, let's just do something fun and get some music down and get it out there? (laughs) Um, You know what? That's... Die Fart Diva EP is kind of like a culmination of who I was as I was kind of growing up in the scene in that kind of Humber period of my life. Um, that EP is actually the product of Humber in fourth year. Um, the, the studio, sorry, the school has a like a professional studio and that's your kind of fourth year EP. So they hire oh, okay. kind of a team for that. You kind of put a band together and you kind of get to produce and record Um music and for me uh, uh, of course other than the ken scott one that was recorded separately um yeah that was i was really trying to show who i was in that moment um or who i you know am as i kind of like grown but yeah i i don't know it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to say but it definitely is those songs are a reflection of me like dive bar diva the girl who was busting her butt in the bar scene, but also really wanted to be an artist and was pursuing, you know, music professionally. Yeah, and I'm proud of that little thing. (laughs) (laughs) And in 2019, Boots and Hearts, you were an emerging artist finalist. Now, that experience, was that the real catalyst? Was that the moment that showed you that being an artist was a possibility? Yeah, honestly, it's... It was a huge, huge moment in my career. It it kind of was a stepping stone. I felt like I'd kind of been at this level. And then once I did that, I realized I kind of stepped up into another tier of artists I, I, 
I mean, obviously some, there's kind of like the little tier system I would almost refer to the scene as, but once that happened, people really started to know who I was. There's a lot of features for that. I know ET Canada did like a big thing on all of the emerging artists and that's like press that I'd never had before in my life. And the stage itself, you know, there's a bunch of like dedicated fans to Boots and Hearts just excited to hear music, even though, you know, they don't know who we are as little indie artists. And that that to me was a totally wild experience. And yeah, it made me feel like I deserved to be there, which I know a lot of the time us artists are kind of like, do we? Like, I don't know, like, am I actually good enough to do this? It's like, you know, we have a lot of hesitation about our art, I guess I would say. And yeah, that was a huge turning point moment for me where I felt like, yeah, like I have what it takes. Look at me, I'm at Boots and Arts. <laughs> <laughs> and after that experience, you're coming out of Humber with the knowledge of music, the theory behind music. But when it comes to the business side and after Boots and Hearts and maybe that realization that, yes, this is what I want to do, that business side of things, is that overwhelming? <laughs> it's definitely been an uphill climb into the business side. Um Humber did give me, there was kind of a music business incorporated in that program that definitely gave me like a few starting point things, but I've had to kind of learn the business of it as I went kind of talking to artists who were above me. How do they release music? What did they do when they released it? Marketing, advertising, etc. cetera. Um, and I feel like I'm at a pretty good place with it now as far as an indie goes, but yes, it was, it was a pretty big learning curve when all you've kind of known is performing. Right. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's it was good. I mean, good knowledge. Like it's obviously the I'd almost say the more important part to to know how to release the song so people actually hear it. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. A big a big learning curve for me for sure. <laughs> and one of the songs that you released was before you. Now was that in 2020? Yeah. That you released that. that? That was a pandemic baby as well. <laughs> and that was a huge song for you. It was your first song on the radio. Yeah. Um, after two months of being out, it beat all your streaming numbers from all of 2019. And yep. <laughs> so when you released that song, what was that like? That feeling of all those accomplishments happening, especially in a year like 2020? Yeah, I mean really exciting you know that that song was probably the first song I guess it was the first song I'd released after the EP that I put out with Humber um but it was the first song that I'd really put I guess a lot of time and money to in a kind of professional manner I, it was the one I hired Jeff Delziel for right out of the gate and you know that was I'd never worked with a producer before I hired a radio tracker I never worked with someone to kind of work with it at radio and you know, like it was really exciting to see those connections like kind of like pay off in results. Like people were listening to it more because it, you know, I, I, I guess was working it in a way that I didn't know how to before. So to see that, yeah, I kind of beat out all of my other songs like immediately. It was, was really rewarding to be, to know that all the hard work that I kind of put into it was actually paying off. And as an artist, that hard work side of it, that having to work the song as an independent artist, is that something you enjoy? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like I'm a creative person, so I love doing like my web design stuff. I love doing photography and like single art stuff. I think that's really enjoyable. 
all of the kind of like admin stuff, like answering emails and just like keeping up on social media, which sounds like a hilarious thing, but it's it can be kind of a taxing thing to always be, you know, trying to create content. <laughs> um, those things I don't love quite as much, but it's the kind of like connecting with people and being creative is something I do love doing. That is another artist hat that maybe people don't realize that we all wear. <laughs> Heading into the new material, like you say, the 2018 EP was more of your college final. And yeah. so do you hope that fans sort of look at Dial Tone and the new EP that you're creating as sort of your, your start as a musician? as to who you truly want to be in this career? Yeah, um, I definitely feel like with the music that I'm creating now, I'm really starting to kind of find who I am and what I want to say. And this EP that I'm going to be coming out with is definitely a reflection of that. I really feel like I've kind of found my sound, I guess people people like to say. So yeah, I, I think, you know, and I can hear it too. Like I'm a much... I'm a better writer now and I can hear that my first EP as much as I love it is I've grown a lot from that and I hope that the people that liked that EP still like this and kind of like the new I wish I wouldn't, wouldn't call it new me but I've definitely grown into this EP so it's going to sound a lot different. <laughs> and where is it at? When can we uh when can we expect it? Are you still in the studio so working it out? Yeah, I'm still kind of making the final decisions on the songs. I've got the ones that I want, we're just kind of narrowing down which ones, and then we're going into the recording process of that. So yeah, it's definitely in its early stages, but you can expect something out next year, but I cannot make any promises on the date yet. <laughs> right. And so as you're coming into sort of the next chapter and you're picking songs, is that a difficult process to put together this body of work that you, that you want to be a cohesive unit of who you are? It can be. Yeah. I mean, I think the difficult part for me has been that I'm still writing now and I, I'll write another song and I'm like, oh, shoot, that that's actually a pretty good song too. Maybe I'll swap that song for this other song, even though I've already kind of decided I wanted to release that song. So <laughs> that that type of stuff has been difficult to like really be like, oh, like which song is the best song? But I have a really great support system of people who I trust their opinion on and kind of go back and forth with and they kind of help me make those I guess ultimate decisions and uh yeah so that's a difficult part but it's getting there <laughs> <laughs> you just need your mom you just need your mom in there yep she yeah. can just pick those songs right away then it'll be done right yep Cindy's just gonna pick the EP that's probably what's gonna end up happening so <laughs> it's worked pretty well for me so far though <laughs> that's awesome and so with all that has happened even just within the past two years how excited are you right now as an artist moving forward into this next chapter? Definitely very excited. Um, I'm super excited, number one, that there'll probably be work next year <laughs> in 2022. It's been a while since um, I got to like, I've played a few kind of small festivals over the course of pandemic of the pandemic with kind of the driving, drive-in concert stuff that I'd be really fortunate to be able to do some of those. Um, but I really miss kind of getting to do that festival circuit. And I think for me with releasing new music, um, it'll be able to kind of make my way back into that. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear what people think about the new tunes to see our new show. And 
I really miss kind of getting to try stuff out on people for sure. <laughs> and as a Canadian artist, we talked about that trip to Nashville. Is that ever a dream of yours to be able to cross over and move down there and do work down there? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, for me, I would say it's definitely a dream, not a goal. Um, there's a lot in Canada that you can do as a Canadian artist to, to be an artist here. Um, I think if I ever got in like an American record deal, I would make the move because then I would be more, I guess, around all the, the people and the things I need to do. Um, but I, I really like living in Canada. <laughs> I know that kind of keeps you away from that, our kind of scene, which is also sort of down there. Um, but yeah, I would say it's a dream, but not a goal. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, congratulations on everything. We will look forward to the new music. For now, Dial Tone is the new single. People can check it out wherever they get their music. And is there a thought, is it going to go to radio? Yeah, so we are looking at radio in the new year, um, but something kind of immediately to look forward to for people is a little music video for this one. So that will be coming out very soon. <laughs> thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Mackenzie for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new single, Dial Tone, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. Thank you once again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm -hmm.